Okay, well, hold on. Hold on. I have a question. Who the fuck is, like, sitting around going, is this true lactating? Like, like who is checking true lactation? Presumably. Who, what fucker had that job? Welcome to the Skiffing Fanny Show Torture Cinema. Where resorting directly to violence when you're hungry is a privilege, not a right. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. When you're, when you're hangry. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I'm Sean. And I'm Becca. I'm Alex. And on today's show, we'll talk about what we're drinking and The Killer Shrews, a 1959 independent science fiction horror film directed by Ray Kellogg, produced by Ken Curtis and Gordon McLendon, and starring James Best, Ingrid Goode, or Jude, or Goudet, I'm not 100% sure, Curtis and McLendon, again, uh, Baruch Lumet, and Judge Henry Dupree, who deserved better than this movie gave him. This movie was created, by the way, based on a poll on suggested themes from listeners who are also hosts, I will just say. That poll included giant mammals and giant reptiles. Giant mammals happened to win because people are prejudiced against reptiles. And so here we are with the killer shrews. No, no, Sean. It's because if giant reptiles had won, then we would have had to listen to you go on for an hour and 15 minutes about how that's not how reptiles behave. You're right. I don't know shit about shrews, so I can't tell you whether or not any of the shrew facts in this are accurate. You're right. We, we, yeah, we've done it once. We don't need to do it again. I should have done more research on shrews. Oh, no, I, <laughs> Who would have moving thought? Moving to Google real but you quick. You need to be an expert <laughs> on shrews, right? <laughs> but before we do that, a friendly reminder that we want to hear from you. Share your comments with us about this and past episodes and how much Sean talks about how reptiles and movies make him angry at skippyandfancy.com slash listener suggestions. We want to put together a listener mailbag episode with your thoughts, questions, topics, suggestions, and more. So get those thoughts in. All right. So... Let's get to what we're drinking. So, Alex, what beverage of choice have you chosen today? So, since I, I felt like this was probably going to be a, a two-beer podcast, I have two beers available to me. I'm currently working on my Guinness. And then after that, I have a s'mores milk stout from Left Hand mm. Brewing Company. Ooh, that sounds really good. We, there, there was like a, like a milk stout variety pack where they had like s'mores and then they had a mole one and then they had um oh it was mint chocolate it's so good oh yeah i'll see and what about you sean what are you drinking well so i decided to try to go themed today and since this film was made in dallas texas i decided a texas themed cocktail would be appropriate so i am drinking a what i'm calling a peckered uh, off to a great start folks such a great start <laughs> peter picked a peck of peck of puffers <laughs> wow Becca, what are you trying to with that one i'm not even gonna try because i can't do that normally oh i am drinking a puckered texas slipper so a traditional texas slipper if i recall correctly is 
Tito's Vodka, uh, Elderflower Liqueur, and Club Soda, and some uh, grapefruit juice, Yum. red grapefruit juice. I did not have the club soda, so I had to figure out what to do instead. So I added a little bit of lemon juice, and I added some triple sec. And I do not have Tito's, so I did uh, Smirnoff Citrus uh, Vodka. And that's what's in this. No, that is not a decent substitute. That's No, a substitute would be like some carbonated grapefruit water. Look, I'm just telling you, this is why I'm calling it a puckered Texas slipper and not a Tito's puckered Texas slipper, which, say that five times fast. Go on, Becca, try it. Try it five times fast. (laughs) Tito's puckered Texas Texas slipper? I don't know. I I can't can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) No. I mean, I'm just saying that if you go to Texas, you're going to get shot now, so... Look, it's delicious, and I'm almost out, so I just... I Whatever. I don't care. So what about you, Becca? What are you drinking? <laughs> I'm reprising my drink from last time with the last can of my Orange Smash thing, which we figured out is just like a carbonated screwdriver. So I've got one more can of that, and then I just have a Truly, because they're my fave. That sounds great, Becca, but now we got to get to a summary of this movie. All right. Alex has volunteered, not voluntold it. No, I volunteered. I volunteered myself because the summary is extremely easy, as one might expect of a movie that is barely over an hour long. Basically, on what is supposed to be a remote island, a ship captain and his crew of, like, one other person arrive to make a delivery right in front of a hurricane, so there's a hurricane coming that to complicate things. And on the island, they find out the people they're delivering stuff to is, like, a group of scientists, one of whom is a really unpleasant drunken alcoholic, who are doing, like, research into longevity or some other shit that sounded like, just a little eugenicist! And apparently what they're trying to do is experiment on shrews first before they can apply this to humans. And their experiments have gone awry and they made some mutant shrews that have gotten to be the size of wolves. Not actually the size of wolves. But anyway. And those shrews, because of the drunk guy, got loose on the island and now they're starving because they've already eaten everything. And they keep trying to get into the compound to eat all the people. And then, of course, the shrews start killing people because... Then they become venomous shrews, as one does. A bunch of the humans die, and then eventually they escape, and there's one whole lady person. That's the summary. But she is whole. She does survive the movie. Yeah, she does survive, unlike the the non-white people. Yes. Yeah, no non-white people survived this movie. Which I I will say, there were two non-white people, but they both die. They both get shrewd. Did you know this has a sequel? I was just gonna say that, Becca! There's a fucking called Return sequel, of the Killer Best Shrews. is in that too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, and then there was some kind of kind of like comedy remake of it in 2016 as well. Yes, that's Attack of the Killer Shrews, which confused me for a minute until I confirmed that we were indeed watching the beloved 1959 classic, The Killer Shrews. I will note that that I actually have something of a personal relationship with this movie because uh, when I was growing up, my brother went on a kick of watching bad movies, which is how I watched like. Ended up watching a bunch of Ed Wood movies. And this one is considered a classic of bad cinema. So we watched this and The Giant Claw and The Day... uh, What is it? Not The Day After Tomorrow. It's the one with the giant grasshoppers. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I I had actually seen this movie before, but then I had to watch it again because I saw it like over 20 years ago. And, you know, it's... 
honestly, I probably didn't need to rewatch it because it is exactly as I remembered it being, <laughs> except now when you put it on a flat screen TV and you're watching it off of Tubi, the video quality is so terrible you cannot even enjoy how awful the shrews look. Yeah, no, it was just all around bad. Classic bad. Classic. Classic bad. It, it, this is classic bad. That is, I think that is a fair assessment of this film. It is 68 minutes long. It has an incredibly basic plot, as Alex so expertly presented to us. It is honestly pretty ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And yet, because it's 68 minutes long, kind of fun to watch. And I will note that there is a black and white version and a colorized version of this. Oh. The black and white version is actually better. That's the one I watched. <laughs> Well, they didn't just colorize it. They also fucked up the audio because they made the audio sound like they were talking in a cavern. The house isn't that big. Yeah, the the black and white one doesn't exactly have like the greatest audio, but it's like 1959. Yeah, so it sounds good for 1959. It's clear. We can understand what they're saying. But there is a very clear echo that exists in the colorized version. The only thing I would say about the colorized version that's interesting is... The color that they add, because it's digitally colorized rather than hand colorized, not using like the path of color version, it does enhance some of the characterizations. So like the scientist guy that's sort of dweeby looking looks even more so in color. He didn't need to look any more dweeby. He was plenty dweeby. Oh, he's he's mega dweeby. He is 100% stereotypical. Like, he literally does at one point, the he pulls his glasses off. The only thing he's missing is the, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so let's get to some likes. I think we should get to likes here. And so I would like to throw that to Becca. Becca, what is your like, please? I mean, I just generally liked the one female character, Anne Craigus. As played by Ingrid Good, good. I think it's probably good. She's Swedish, so who knows? Well, she was she was Miss Sweden. Oh, before well, she became fancy. an actress, I believe she be she was Miss. She Sweden. was the most sensible person in this movie because yeah. she was the one who was like, "I need to get off this fucking island, and I need my dad <laughs> to come with me, and I don't give a fuck about this shitty guy who thinks he's my fiance." Yep, we're done. We finished. We we broke up last night. Stop talking to me. Stop. Tr- Stop trying to pretend like you can control me. Was she with that guy? Wait, I'm sorry. I'm so confused now. Was she formerly with the other guy? What was his name? Yeah, like the alcoholic guy. They were were engaged. Oh, Dr. Marlo Krakus. I just realized his name is her last name. They were (laughs) married. Oh, yeah, they were married. They, she broke up with him on the island. That explains a lot. And so she wanted to leave him on the island and just take her dad. So I was like, she is the only person in this film... Who has sense because she knows that a hurricane is better than killer shrews. Mm-hmm. So she broke up with the shitty dude and wants to leave the island with her dad because the shitty dude was also the drunk who let the shrews out and caused this whole problem in the first what? place. What did she see in him? Maybe his dick is enormous. I don't know. Um, money? His tongue is double jointed. I don't know. I don't know what his <laughs> character secret was. In fact, it might be the most realistic part of the movie because we have seen, you know, people get engaged to others that you look at them and you're like, but why? All the time. Of all genders. Where you're just like, It really? constantly happens. But like, it starts off with, she's like, I'm going to be independent from you because you're a shithead. And I really appreciate that about her. He is a shithead. He's a shithead. He's rude from the start. Mm-hmm. He's mean to Captain Thorn Sherman. Thorn Sherman is an amazing name for a character, by the way. 
it, it really is a is. hell of a name. But it's he's he's like an asshole to him before anything has actually happened to suggest that he's stolen his girl. So he's obviously super jealous. And also, she is her own person who has already broken up with him, even if he can't accept it. She's a PhD. She's a scientist. Which isn't explained until, like, quite far into the movie. Yeah. Like, you don't realize that she's a scientist and she'll see she says she's a zoologist. And it's like... It's, it's like, not really important to her character. It's because at no other point in the movie does yeah. she... She's science shit. She is just kind of the football for the men to argue over, which is deeply upsetting, but whatever. Yeah, just a bit. But her herself is a good character, regardless of her, you know, being put into a box or, in this case, a barrel by men. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, they all go in the barrels. They all go in the barrel. But also, for an island that was running out of supplies, which are still on the resupply boat, by the way, they were never taken off. It's really interesting to me that they have the capabilities to solder together several barrels. I mean, yeah, they were probably just running out of food. They weren't running out of solder. Like, yeah, they, they, their 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 welder their welding torch was. They still had a selling. It's fine. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, on an island where they're breeding shrews. Sometimes you just gotta weld some shrews, man. Yeah. What What else do you use for that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Alex well, and I have, have some experience with this. So. What a good screw gun. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Alex and I used to work on a shrew farm. Those were the days, man. Says the man yeah. who also said, I know nothing about shrews. Well, I mean, he was just a, he was just a hand. They had him, like, mucking well, up yeah. the shrew stalls. Yeah. I was basically cleaning up little shrew poos. Alex, what was your like? My like was the fucking shrew. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, okay, so back when I watched this movie with my, with my older brother, the big selling point on the movie was, and then there's the giant shrews, and the giant shrews are obviously played by dogs wearing rugs. And yes! the dogs are so excited to be doing what they're doing. They are so <laughs> happy that you can even see the shrew tails wagging, yes. even though that's obviously not their real tail. <laughs> Yes, I mean, I mean, like the the part where the shrew like comes in out of the the kitchen and like you know bites the scientist on the leg and then gets shot and and the dog kind of like lays down but is sort of like trying to get back up because he's so excited and he wants to do it again. That is what makes this movie so classic. Is just you can tell they 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 were trying to have as few shots of the shrews as possible, but at some point they had to have them and they were like, well, the puppets look terrible, so we'll just make them. Dogs in bad costumes. And, and so it's magical. It's magical. So the one of the actors and co-producers, Ken Curtis, has previously commented about the dogs that he had to force himself not to laugh during filming because they're basically dogs in shag carpet. Yes. <laughs> With exception to the hand puppets they have to for the close-up shots. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just a bunch of dogs. And we'll come back to the dogs and my dislike, but... Even the hand puppets were fucking adorable. You can just tell these dogs are having the fucking time of their life. Oh, yes. They're having more fun than any human on the set. And bless. And they're like getting to dig through the wall. And they're just so happy. They're like, jump up on the wall after the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I normally get yelled at for this. Woohoo! They're so happy. But like, what else would they have used for the shrews to be able to show them running in the woods? Like, I don't know what else you could do. You have to use dogs, right? 
fish line. I mean, yeah, it, it, they could do like a fish, like in what was that? What was the movie we watched it with Paul that had like the the killer cockroaches, where they basically just had like a bunch of plastic roaches on a string, like dragged them across the floor. <laughs> it would have oh, been God, like that oh, level. Shit. No, instead they 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 chose dogs and they chose a bunch of dog actors who were who were really into their parts, and magic happened. Very excited to land the roles of a lifetime. Yeah, yes. me- method actor dogs. Mm-hmm. Method say. actor dogs. <laughs> they spent six months learning how to be shrews. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sound effects are hilarious. Yeah, the sound effects are so bad. <laughs> oh God, so good. That is like the, the entire reason. Like they should just make a supercut of this movie. That's just this, all the scenes with the, the shrew dogs. Like. <laughs> They should do a movie really that's matter. from the, their perspective. <laughs> like, what are they Ooh. thinking <laughs> during all this? They'll call it the taming of the killer shrew. The taming, <laughs> the taming of the Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! A sensitive look into the interiority of the killer shrews. Beautiful. All right. So that was my like. What about you, Sean? What's, what's your like? Well... At first, when I watched this, I was like, oh, this is like set in the Florida Keys. And then I was like, no. Okay, so this is the Caribbean, right? No. Uh, So where is this set? No idea. It's filmed in Texas. So there's literally a moment in this film where they're supposedly driving the boat, but yet they show them in a lake, not moving. And so I don't know where exactly this is meant to be. It's supposed to be an abandoned island. I didn't even think that was on actual water. I just thought that was on a painted backdrop. Was that on actual water? It looked like it was a painted backdrop. No, at one point they're on actual water when they film. Interesting. Well, yeah, probably probably someone the producer knew owned a boat. So. Yeah, pretty much. And they were on like some Dallas lake somewhere because they filmed this outside Dallas. The pro- the budget for this movie was approximately five dollars, four of which they spent on the shag carpeting that they put on the dogs. The budget was actually one hundred and twenty three thousand dollars. Well, but the amount of money they made is significant. Was a million dollars? How did they make a million dollars off of this film? So, weirdly enough, this film is is one of a series of what are called regional films that were, were made at, around this time that happened to get national distribution. And so it, in fact, made a bunch of money, even though it was filmed for pretty fucking cheap. It wouldn't cost a lot of money to make. Uh, one of the producers, Gordon McLendon who played Dr. Baines, uh, invested 125 k in this film and, and supposedly got four times his money back. Good for him. Not my like, but cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's, what is your like? Uh, look, this film's a toughie because it's utterly ridiculous. And I think the thing I like the most about this film is how much it just commits to the idea that these scientists are on this remote island genetically breeding shrews <laughs> because the whole premise incredibly quickly the shrews apparently i don't know if this is true the shrews like breed within like days like like 14 days or whatever they like breed and they have babies and so instead of doing fruit flies which i suppose they could also have learned from uh and much quicker they're using shrews and the whole premise of this movie is that they have been doing these like breeding programs selective breeding programs on shrews in order to see if they can reduce the size of humans and their longevity increase their longevity in order to reduce the amount of of stuff we use right the amount of food we eat the amount of energy we we take up from the earth in order to i guess deal with population or overpopulation or something 
And it's hilarious as a concept because it's ridiculous. Everything about it is absurd. I, this is not how this works. At the same time, they're so dedicated to this idea that you could just bre breed shrews. And if you breed lots of shrews, you'll get special groups of shrews that have qualities you need, like having lower metabolism so they require less food and will live longer, etc. And also create super giant shrews who can metabolize poison into their, their, their saliva. So apparently some species of shrews are venomous. Boom! Yeah! Take that, Sean. We win. Shrew venom, shrew venom is not conducted into the wound by fangs, but by grooves in the teeth. Okay, so they're like almost like rear fang snakes, kind of. Sure. They have to kind of chew on you a little bit. So, hey, that was actually accurate. Yeah. They could, in fact, breed shrews that were venomous. Whoa. It just didn't happen the way that they said it did because they said it was like, we made poison to make to kill them. And they totally just made it part of They themselves. metabolized it and made it like, we're like poison shrews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Venomous poison shrews. Shrew breeding is um, ter terrifying. Female shrews can have up to 10 litters a year. I don't feel like this is an accurate reflection on how shrew breeding works. No, but it's just like their gestation period is 17 to 32 days. Females often become pregnant within a day or so of giving birth. Hot damn. And then they, so they're like lactating during pregnancy and then wean off one litter as the next one is born. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. I have a question. Who the fuck is like sitting around going, <laughs> is this shrew lactating? Like- like, who is checking through presumably? Who, what fucker mark? had that job? I guess. You just, Can well, you, you imagine that's your study? I did a paper on shrew lactation. <laughs> well, apparently some of, like, they've discovered that some, the saliva of one sort of shrew contains some peptide, which has been used to, like, has been studied for its use in treating ovarian cancer. So apparently they are very huh. useful tiny mammals. And they're also one of the only species of terrestrial mammals known to echolocate. Two is like two different species of shrews. I mean, like, honestly, the fact that they reproduce that rapidly probably makes them ideal lab animals. Probably. I mean, that, that makes sense why they would use them. Like, of course they would use like rodents of some kind. They just eat a lot. So like that was also an accurate part of the movie. They eat like half to two times their own body weight in food every day. Can you imagine eating that much? It's a lot of food. Do they just have like abnormally large stomachs? I don't know, but they have the smallest genitals. <laughs> <laughs> of all the fucking facts you would find. It was the, next, oh, it was my the God. next fact. The shrew has the smallest genitals of the animal kingdom, typically just 0.2 inches. So yes, shrews are really interesting. Um, and they actually took some relatively true facts for this movie there you go well okay let's get to dislikes alex what is your dislike for this movie that's actually a weirdly hard question because so much of the badness of this movie is is really part of its charm you're not wrong <laughs> you know i could say oh the the 1950s standard sexism which is a valid dislike but it's also just like yeah that's the just, 1950s that's part of the movie so so it's hard. There's there actually wasn't a particular thing that I was like, oh, I hate this like so very much. I mean, the script wasn't great. <laughs> I think we can say that <laughs> the dialogue was mm, not sparkling. You know what I dislike? I dislike that Captain Thorne, <laughs> still an amazing name for that character, did not throw 
the drunk horrible guy over the wall like he should have. Oh my yeah. god, the drunk horrible guy tries to literally shut him outside while they are both running away from killer shrews. And so Thorne has to like scale a giant fence to get over it. And then the other guy's like, I couldn't wait. That's after he's already betrayed yeah, him Yeah, you almost shot yeah, him like, in the forest. Yeah, I mean, like, this this man is so transparently just doing the, my fiancé broke up with me, so now I'm, like, attempting to pee on her leg and eliminate what I consider to be the competition, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, and not even thinking about the fact that that's the only man alive on this island who can pilot a boat. Yeah. So, I just think he should have thrown him over the fence. I don't know if that's even really that valid of a dislike, because <laughs> I, I, don't, I actually don't dislike this movie. <laughs> He gets his in the end. He does. He becomes one with the shrews. Yes. As was his fate. So, I mean, yeah, that's the that's the weird thing. Like, I don't really have that much of a dislike because I just sort of accept this movie as, as the whole piece of art that it is. I mean, it is mercilessly short. Yes. Yes. If it was any longer, that would be my complaint. Yeah. If it was any longer, then it would have overstayed its welcome. But also, getting into sort of what my dislike was... Like, the first 45 minutes has very little action. It is a very slow movie at first because they are literally just talking at each other in, like, a living room for a majority of the movie. It's because they didn't want to show us the shrews and they should have just given us more shrews. And they didn't want to show us any of the island or anything. It's just like, here's this one room. I mean, it's cheap. Yeah. But okay, you know what? I, I will I will definitely agree with that. It's like the first three, two thirds of the movie, three quarters of the movie was like too much talk, not enough shrews. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, <laughs> too much talk, not enough shrews. <laughs> what a comment. And then it's like all of a sudden, oh, oh shit. The hurricane came through, damaged the building. So now the adobo is going. Adobe. Adobe. Um, adobe. Yeah, adobe. <laughs> I mean, my God, if it was an adobo construction, the shrews could have just eaten the house. <laughs> Adobe. I don't know if that's accurate. I mean, it absolutely could be, but I just don't know. I, I didn't realize it was Adobe because the point is, like, if it, you're living somewhere where there are hurricanes, why the fuck would you make something out of Adobe? Adobe is for the desert where it doesn't really rain. <laughs> there is no logic here. I kind of feel like if you're making a house out of Adobe in a tropical environment where it is going to get hurricanes and rain, I find it hard to believe that two feet of adobe in one hurricane if 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 it's softened to the point that shrews can easily dig through without really trying the compromise of the building has already occurred you you're not in a safe building altogether that whole thing's fucking coming down well yeah that's because they tried to do fucking adobe in a in like fucking texas where it's humid as shit yeah the the location of this movie makes zero sense well, because it's supposed to be like an island somewhere, but they don't specify fucking where. It obviously can't be that far away from the mainland because there were, it was a smaller boat and there were only two people crewing it. Although I will just say the the implication from the boat is like they traveled very long distances in this boat. But it's also weekly stops. I know, but it doesn't make any sense because the way they talk about the boat is like this is a very significant trek. But at the same time, you look at the boat and you go, but it cannot be. A very it can't be because trip. you would just capsize in any sort of larger wave. I, I will say I did not catch that because I know nothing about boats because I live in a landlocked state where there's not much water. Like at a certain point, your boat is just too small to deal with the regular waves of the ocean. But the implication that this show, this movie makes is very clearly that 
these are not small treks, right? That this is a boat that's surviving mm-hmm. hurricanes, which, uh, no. No. <laughs> not what happens. In a marina, perhaps, where they can properly stow the boat Maybe. away. But in literally a cove somewhere where the hurricane's going to go right over this whole fucking island. No, that boat's fucked. This boat is not, this is like one step up from like the boat from us. The movie Yeah, that is not a case where you leave the boat docked in the water. That is a case where you dry dock the boat and hope the hurricane doesn't completely wreck it on land. Because if you leave it on the water, it's gone. I question this captain completely because he's like oh i'm captain thorn and like i know my shit tie up the boat it's like literally the next morning when they go out they find the boats the the rope to the boat is snapped it's like yeah because you should have dry docked this fucking thing because this thing cannot handle a hurricane of course they don't tell us what kind of hurricane it is so i don't know maybe like the shrews bit out who knows Maybe they've also, like, grown intelligent. Who knows? It's really obnoxious. Like, there's just elements of this where, like, you actually would have been fine to not make this grand thing about it being on an island. You could have just made it an island in a lake. Done. And then the threat is, like, what if the shrews swim to the other shore? Because there are shrews that can swim. Yeah. But then they have to deal with the larger implications. Whereas this, it's like, oh, we can just send somebody to bomb the island and we'll be okay. Well, yeah. Well, the, the shrews will actually take care of themselves because apparently they're cannibalistic. In like 24 hours. Like the doctor says that like, oh, and eventually in 24 hours, there will be one There will be left, one shrew left. And he will die. Nah. <laughs> well, my dislike is not going to make us uh, laugh all that much more. Well, you know. Sorry. Got to address it. Uh, I have to deal with it, which is there's a lot of sexism in this, but it's 1959. So I suppose we kind of anticipated it, although it wasn't as bad as I think we were probably expecting. I mean, like I said, she was, she had a PhD. She was a zoologist. Good for her. She was able to break it off with a shitty dude. So like she was a character. Like, yeah, she was the only woman, but she was a pretty full-fledged out character. My issue is more with the very really deep levels of racism that are in this because there is a character in this who is honestly I wish was in more of this movie because he is almost delightful except that nobody's really acting well in this his name is Rook Griswold in the movie played by quote-unquote judge Henry Dupree who is an African-American fellow who is somewhat stereotyped in this movie, although not nearly as bad as I kind of was expecting. The problem with his character is he fills the trope that we see in a lot of horror where the black guy dies first. And in fact, all the people of color die in this movie because there's also a Hispanic fellow who also dies in a fairly tragic way, although at least he gives us useful information because he dies by the venom, so. Also, the Hispanic man played by Alfred DeSoto is not given a last name. He just gets to say senor a lot. But the thing with the optics of the way that Rook dies is really interesting because the dogs that are in this are coon hounds. Now, coon in this case refers to raccoon. Originally, they were bred as raccoon hunting dogs. But in the post-antebellum phase of the United States, we cannot read that word 
the way we would usually have read it because Ugh. it becomes associated with a racial slur, largely associated with the, the minstrel shows dating back to like the 1830s all the way until the 20th century, basically. And you'll hear that word being used within the South quite a lot. And it is fair to point out that our character of Rook Griswold is in fact a Southern fellow. He refers to Dixie Jazz as a trait of his, is his love of Dixie jazz, although we never don't don't ever actually see him do it, which is another complaint I have. At least have him do some jazz, you yeah. fucking assholes. In addition to him dying by the shrews, he dies in a particularly interesting way because he is driven up a tree by the shrews, which are coonhounds, I will remark again, and is basically driven down from the tree by the stress of being up in the tree and the tree breaking and him being pulled down and then basically killed. And the thing that I, I find really interesting and horrifying about this is that I don't think you could have made this and not been aware of the treatment of black people in the South, given that this is filmed in Texas, which is South adjacent, depending on your interpretation. I don't think you could have been unaware of the optics of what's going on in 1959 America at this moment in which you were having lynchings, uh, literally using of dogs to hunt down people, and then historically the use of dogs to hunt down freed slaves. And here's a black man, and this is the way that he dies in this movie. He dies by being hunted literally by dogs pretending to be giant shrews it's unfortunate i don't know if they really fully were cognizant but i think they had to have been somewhat aware of what they were doing i think it sucks because i think his character if given more time would be a really interesting character even if stereotyped because it's 1959 but it just to me it just felt a little gross and again i know it's 1959 and so I suppose I shouldn't have like expected better of the politics of a 1959 sci-fi horror B-movie. You can always hope for better. You hope for better. Because sometimes you get things from that period of time that are, in fact, better. They're still racist, but they're, like, like nicer racist. They, like, don't quite realize that they're racist yet. And so they're, like, they're trying not to be racist, but they're still racist by the by our standards today. This is just kind of racist. It's just racist. That's all there is. And it's it's just unfortunate because I feel like that is a character that deserved more time. It's not funny. Sorry. Nope. No, it's it, but it's yeah. true. The first two people to die in this movie are the two people of color. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the way the Hispanic guy died was also not great. No. no. Well, I, I mean, it's it's also just the, you know, him and Captain Thorne go into the basement to try to hunt a shrew. I mean, there is something rather comedic about the scene because it's like, oh, we're stalking around looking for the shrew. We'll be careful. It's apparently the world's most giant fucking basement full of crates and boxes that they, they, <laughs> they then just start, like, staggering through and knocking everything over. And also, it's technically, Mario should have been off watch by then, but the shitty guy gets drunk and is like, you take my shift. And then wake me up, not the captain. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Mario was just like, no, fuck that. I'm getting the captain because... Fuck that. I'm getting the guy who knows who, who, is who actually looks like a badass. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, shows that Mario is one of the smarter characters in the movie. I mean, he also recognizes, I think, his station at this moment. Like, he's outnumbered here. He He is effectively in a servant role. He needs to rely on people who have guns who have know-how, who who he can use to hopefully survive. Unfortunately, he doesn't, but he's actually quite smart as a, as a character. Un unfortunately, again, we just don't get a lot of him yeah. because this movie's weirdly yeah. 68 minutes long and doesn't want to really spend any time with its characters. 
Also, I will just say that, like, Captain Thorne's kind of a dick. Oh, super, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I just, like, when, when the romance started to happen, I was like... Oh, no. Really? Well, you know, apparently she just really likes someone who's a massive dick. And that explains how she ended up with the oh, other guy. That's fair, because she was with that other guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can just blame it on her own bad taste. Very bad taste. It's just sad, because the second he gets there, he's a dick. And he mm-hmm. leaves a dick. There is no character growth that happens for anything for anyone. Yeah, no, there is there is no character growth in this movie. No, there's not. But there are at least characters that are kind of nice, right? There's Rook, who's who's yeah. a pretty nice guy. He's kind of affable and very likable kind of fella. And then there's the the scientist dude that gets killed by the shrews. He I, I actually liked him. He was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Radford Baines. Radford Baines, played by Gordon McLeodon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's even, like, the other doctor, Dr. Marla Kragas, who... He's okay. He's all right. He seems like a nice guy. He cares about his daughter. Like, he, he's not a bad man. He's just doing evil scientist shit and not realizing that's what he's fucking doing. So, you know, there's, like, mostly good people. And then there's Jerry Farrell, who is just a dick, who is replaced by a better dick. Dicks all the way down, folks. It's, it's yeah. Dicks all the way down. Yeah. I mean, Thorn was Thorn was definitely just supposed to be like you know the a a 1950s leading man, dashing hero. Yeah, which means an asshole. And at least he didn't like steal a woman who was engaged. That's fair. She was she'd already broken up with him. She was single. It's not like he broke up a marriage. It was already done before he arrived. I mean, like, honestly, so my my headcanon at this point is actually, she was just like, I need to get the fuck off this island. So you know what? This man has a boat. I'm going to make nice with him. And then as soon as I'm off the island, I am like booting his ass off the side. Fair. That probably is what happened. I, I could see that. Either that or, you know, they get to the mainland and she's like, I'll call you. Here's my number. And she just gives him a fake number and... and leaves into the sunset it's 1959 so her her number would have been like four digits so <laughs> <laughs> it's like why is this number all ones that's it's it's i got i got one really early I got, I, yeah, I got early one. adopters i was lucky i was lucky but yeah that that's that's my belief is it's like not even a real romance she's just like i am using this man for his boat to get off this fucking island because i don't want to die because I'm the smartest character in this movie. She is the smartest character. She's yeah. like, I want to get the fuck off this island. I think that's fair. All the guys are having a little bit of science wank, and she's like, no. No, this danger. We gotta go. We gotta go. We, we made a mistake. Yeah, let's stop playing with the baby shrews. Let's move on. Yeah, let's yeah, get the fuck out of here. Let's GT with the FO. <laughs> but she's also like, this was not my mistake. This was your fuck up. You're the one who let yeah, them yeah, out. Yeah, we done. Yep. We done. Uh, all right. Well, I think we've done it. Yeah. Yes. We have made a podcast. And so final thoughts and grades. I think it's now time for that. So Alex, your final thought and grade, please. I mean, my final thoughts are this movie still has a special place in my heart because it's got dogs wearing rugs and it's only 68 minutes long, which is really all I could ask for a bad movie to be. Like it's short. It, it barely leaves an impression on you other than the dogs that are very excited to be here. So honestly, it's a B movie and it gets a B. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I have fond memories and the fond memories were not detracted from at all by, by revisiting this, this bullshit. All right, Becca, what about you? I did enjoy the dogs, but overall <laughs> was just not impressed. So I'd give it a D because it's just like, it was, I didn't even have a lot of fun, like thinking about the terribleness. 
So, Becca, I know I shouldn't argue with your grade, but I just want to say, consider what other movies you've given a D to <laughs> and where this falls on that scale. <laughs> Fine, it can have a C- minus because, like, it's just, it wasn't a strong showing. It was just there. Yeah, it's just the kind of dogs there. were good. The dogs were all very good boys and girls. Yeah. Good boys. But otherwise, it's, like, either terrible or just, like, meh. That would be kind of where I would come at this is like, on the one hand, like, it's clearly bad. If you think about it from a purely filmic standard, from the quality of the script to the story to the characters to the choices they made in the filming of it, it's not good. But at the same time, yeah. there's something I think Alex is right, charming about this kind of bad movie that we can't say about more contemporary bad movies that we have watched. And for that reason, I can't really go <laughs> follow Alex entirely here. But I will say that I did find this somewhat enjoyable to watch. And so I would I would be with Becca here and go with also a C minus. I want to be clear, my C minus is in a recognition of the joy of its awfulness. If I were rating this purely on the quality of the production, it would have to be much worse. But I I don't feel like that's a fair assessment. We've had this discussion before about how weird it is to grade torture cinema movies because, you know, it's the sort of like, is it is it bad in an enjoyable way or is it like, you know, and then you run across movies that are, are like bad, but they're trying to be bad, like Velocipaster and Thanksgiving. And you're like, it's transcendent in a, in a strange <laughs> way. Like grading these is very, very subjective is all I'm trying to say. I think you're right, though, because, like, you have to also keep that in mind of, like, we try not to cover films that are intentionally trying to be bad all that often. And so then you have to think about, like, okay, well, what is the quality of the bad that we've been giving? Because there is bad where it's, like, everything about this is hurting me. Like, you my mean, soul like, the fucking dumb. Robin Hood movie we oh fucking watched? Oh, my God, that fucking <laughs> Fuck that movie. Oh, that movie is going to be my fucking oh, it's legacy. So it's going to be my fucking legacy for this podcast. I am going to live just long enough that you will die before me so I can go to your grave and I can be like, Becca, <laughs> fuck you for making much Robin Hood. So this puts us at about like a C-ish, just not too bad. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there we go. We did a new podcast. Yay! We did it, folks. We did a podcast. Woo! Woo! All right, folks. So if you'd like to let us know what you thought about this episode and what we thought about this movie and you want to offer your alternative opinions about why we're wrong, go for it. You can head over to skiffingfanny.com slash listener suggestions to suggest thoughts, offer your opinions. Uh, you can even suggest other things we might cover like other movies. We will do in the future more polls based on suggestions by fans. So keep that in mind. You can suggest movies. As always, you can find us at Skiffy and Fanny on Twitter and Instagram and get the newsletter at skiffyandfanty.com slash newsletter, which comes out once a month. Finally, if you like what we do, which we hope you do because you're here, please support the show at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty and then give us five-star reviews on the iTunes because that's a thing that you should do because you like the show. You can find me at Sean Duke on Twitter, seanduke.net, alphabet streams on Twitch and patreon.com slash thejoyfactory. And you can find me at Katsudonbury, alexaxe.com, and at patreon.com slash alexaxe. Though my Patreon is currently on a bit of a hiatus because I have a lot of work I'm doing right now, which I'll get to tell you about at some point. 
And you can find me at BeccaE96 on Twitter, Dicey Druid on Twitch, and on a couch somewhere thinking about ice cream. Oh my god, I'm thinking about ice cream now, I too. I can love me some ice cream. All right, folks. Well, I just want everybody to know that uh, at ShyCon this year, all of us will be there dressed up as shrews. So <laughs> Yes, but but not like shrew shrews. We're going to be dressed up as killer shrews, so we're all going to be wearing pieces of shag carpet. Exactly. Shag carpet costumes. Here oh, we come. Oh, Lord. So if you want to see that, please register for ShyCon. Come to Chicago in September 1st to 5th. So on that note, awkward ending and scene. <laughs> You're welcome, citizens. Bye. Bye. You're welcome. If you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty or skiffyandfanty.com, our website, where you can get access to all of our fancy things. Our music comes from Holy Mole. You can support him and his work at patreon.com slash holy mole. Thank you for listening. <laughs>